From the concert halls to the juke joints, from churches to festivals in the fields, welcome to another episode of Bill Street Caravan, celebrating the sounds of Memphis for more than 20 years. Heard around the globe on NPR Worldwide. Major funding for Bill Street Caravan is provided by the AutoZone Corporation and Memphis Tourism. Hi, I'm your co-host, Pat Mitchell-Worley. And I'm Jared Boyd. On this week's Bill Street Caravan, we've got Memphis R&B and jazz guitarist Joe Restivo. Grammy-nominated blues man Guy Davis will be with us to deliver an installment of the Blues Hall of Fame, an exploration of the lives of the pioneers and innovators enshrined in the Blues Hall of Fame here in Memphis, Tennessee, brought to you by the Blues Foundation. That's all coming up right now on Bill Street Caravan. Hey, Pat. Hey, JB. This week, we've got one of the coolest guys in town and one of the most versatile sons of the Memphis guitar tradition, Joe Restivo. It's funny that you say versatile. The talented picker does so much that you have to almost break his talent into sections. Well, in that case, let's just say that we've got the jazz Joe Restivo on the show today. The jazz Joe Restivo? That might be a bit of a mouthful, but we should certainly make it plain for those Joe fans who are used to his work as a member of the prolific soul ensemble, The Bow Keys, that they are about to hear something a little bit different. And it'd also probably be worthwhile to send a heads up to those who are used to his rock and blues repertoire that the version of Joe that they're about to hear isn't quite that either. Yeah, it's sort of appropriate that Restivo, a musician that is routinely adaptive and hard to nail down, named his latest album, Where's Joe? On this album, you'll find the answer to that question in the hidden corners of the cool jazz band period, an area emblematic of the style of music that many wouldn't dare associate with Memphis. And anyone who thinks that Memphis and jazz can't go hand in hand would be terribly mistaken, with all due respect to anyone listening with that commonly held belief. Break it down for him, Brother JB. Well, you know that I like to preach, but I won't go there. I'll just say that this isn't too far of a departure for Joe, who studied under the tutelage of guitarist Calvin Newborn of the famed Newborn family. Aside from his own accolades in the genre, Calvin's brother, Phineas Jr., was a renowned jazz pianist. And in the performance you're about to listen to, recorded at his album release party, you can truly tell how deeply and sincerely Joe has embodied this very opportunity to carry on the torch for Memphis's forgotten jazz heritage. And while places such as New Orleans, Chicago, and Harlem have a heightened sense of awareness for their contributions to jazz, it's rather admirable to see an artist like Joe Restivo pay such careful and intentional homage even if there aren't that many other artists doing it here. And if they are, they aren't doing it his way. Yeah, you know, Joe's kind of, he's really into his own thing. And that's what makes him so cool. Absolutely. Here he is, Joe Restivo, live on Bill Street Caravan. Thank you. 
Yes, yes, indeed. That's Mr. Tom Leonardo on the drums playing all them groovy fills and solos. Mr. Tim Goodwin on the bass doing the same. Artissimo, Art Edmonston on the saxophone, squawking, raking and scraping. Here's more from Joe Restivo, live on Bill Street Caravan. Thank you. 
you, thank you, thank you. House of the Rising Sun. That was Joe Estivo live on Bill Street Caravan. For more information on Joe, like him on Facebook. We'll be back with more music from Joe in a bit. Up next, Grammy-nominated bluesman Guy Davis takes us through the life histories of the pioneers and innovators enshrined in the Blues Hall of Fame. This segment is brought to you by the Blues Foundation, and it's also available as a standalone podcast through iTunes. The Bronze Peacock nightclub sat way on the outskirts of Houston. An ocean of darkness separated the club from the city lights. Inside, the place glowed. White tablecloths, buffed hardwood, and patent leather shoes. Clarence Brown sat in front of the bronze peacock bandstand and wondered, God almighty, what is this guy doing to these people? The people screamed and shouted. Women fell out like funeral mourners. They swung from chandeliers and crashed into walls. This guy was better known as T-Bone Walker. He was the bronze peacock personified, a white suit, slick feathers, and sparkling guitar. Clarence stood as T-Bone slipped the guitar behind his head, revving it as he slowly slipped into the splits. T-Bone landed it as he banged the final note. Clarence was a lanky 22-year-old from small-town East Texas on a hitchhiking journey around the state trying to find his break in music. Nothing in any roadhouse prepared him for what he was about to see. A storm hit the stage. Coins, bills, entire wallets, and finally ladies' underwear flew at T-Bone Walker. This night in the Bronze Peacock showed Clarence Brown a new path. He grew up in Cajun country playing parties with his dad's band. Clarence plucked the mandolin, sawed on the violin, and lately had been sitting in on drums. Once the panties stopped flying, he went up to T-Bone, still stunned at the sight of people swinging on chandeliers, and asked, what make a person do that? Nothing that went down in the bronze peacock escaped the notice of Don Roby, owner of the club and godfather of the Texas night. He stood beside the bandstand, listening to Clarence and T-Bone. T-Bone kind of laughed Clarence off, said, you can't make someone throw a wallet with the drums. But T-Bone was just a small-town Texas boy himself. He sympathized. T-Bone had nothing to worry about from Clarence. T-Bone had two new hit records on the jukebox. He started the Rum Boogie Club in Chicago and palled with Joe Lewis. As Clarence sat beside the bronze Peacock's bandstand night after night studying, T-Bone tolerated him and shared a few scraps, not exactly an apprenticeship, but Clarence picked up E-Natural, on the guitar, and you'd have thought he'd learned to fly. Soon the spring rain came to Houston, cold and merciless, not enough to chill the bronze peacock atmosphere, but its star began to dim. After eight straight nights singing himself raw, T-Bone came down with something. Clarence saw T-Bone take the stage. He heard the shrieks building to a crescendo, but before the first note, T-Bone set down his big guitar and hurried back to the dressing room. Don Roby's eyes jumped from a packed house to an empty stage. In panic, he grabbed Clarence. Boy, get up there. It was just the sort of spontaneous combustion that changes the direction of history. Clarence halfway left his body but felt himself walking up the bandstand. 
He saw T-Bone's axe sparkling on stage. He picked it up. He knew one key, so no decision there. He strapped on the guitar and vamped. He couldn't do this all night, but the crowd cheered him on. They clapped the beat, and the women swung their shoulders, all eyes locked on Clarence. He did the damnedest thing, this kid, who'd clearly been picked out of the crowd, stepped to the microphone. He sang. My name is Gatemouth Brown. I just got in your town. The blues give him that line to repeat, which came in quite handy as he stood in front of 500 people making up the song as if his life depended on it. My name is Gatemouth Brown, and I just got in your town. If you don't like my style, I will not hang around. The women went for their purses. The men reached in their pockets, and the crowd rained its approval all over Clarence Gatemouth Brown. Back in the dressing room, T-Bone Walker found his voice. He marched back out on stage, grabbed his guitar from Gatemouth. Look, T-Bone barked. As long as you live and breathe, don't you ever pick on my guitar again. Gatemouth already was squatted down, stuffing his pockets with cash. He looked up half smiling and said, I'm sorry, Mr. Bone. I don't know what made me do it. Don Roby reacted much more favorably than T-Bone did to Gatemouth's debut. Roby didn't know music, but he recognized that green paper all over the bronze peacock floor. He signed Gatemouth to an exclusive management contract that night and took him to the tailor and the music shop in the morning. They cruised the third ward in Don's caddy. Roby tried to make small talk, asking how Gatemouth got music. Well, I wasn't big enough to go in the juke joint, so I would sit across the street and listen to these blues. My mind would leave my body and travel for miles away, he said. But it seemed like to me it would be traveling to the disastrous part of this man's life. And I said, music's got to be a little different than that. That was enough cosmic talk for Don Roby. The next time anyone saw Gatemouth, he'd be sporting a top hat, tails, and a new Gibson. He ran T-Bone right out of town. While Gatemouth headlined a peacock every night, Roby hit the road to promote his new star. He sold him to nightclubs all the way to New Orleans and returned with a record contract. Gatemouth debuted on Wax the same way he first hit the stage, with a little more practice this time. He named his tune Gatemouth's Boogie. This time, though, no showers of money flooded Gatemouth at the end of the song. My name is He spent the next two years traveling along his manager's chain of contacts through Texas and Louisiana dance halls. Roby outfitted a station wagon to carry the band and painted the names of Gatemouth's records on the body. Gate made a name for himself the hard way, doing one-nighters at Club Raven in Beaumont, the White Eagle in Opelousas, Skylark Terrace in Corpus Christi, and the Rose Room in Dallas. He got around the honky-tonks, though he didn't make it back to the recording studio. Two years in, Gate had two titles painted on the station wagon. Don Roby wasn't a man known to accept reversal of fortune. When he'd finally had enough of nothing from the record company, Roby told his business manager, Hell, we don't need them to put out Gatemouth's records. Necessity being the mother of invention, just asked the composer of Gatemouth's boogie. This challenge led to a huge breakthrough. Naturally, Roby named his new record company Peacock Records, 
it was the beginning of the most successful black-owned label of the era. There remained just one minor technicality, as Roby's business manager gently asked, well, how do you make a record? Without pause, the Don shot back, hell, I don't know, that's for you to find out. Soon enough, Peacock Records launched with atomic energy an electrifying gate-mouth instrumental on the backside of the first single. This sounded clearly like an artist traveling beyond the disastrous part of life. The first Peacock Records headquarters were the back room of a liquor store. The company grew so fast, its offices took over the bronze Peacock and put the nightclub out of business. Peacock Records made some of Little Richard's earliest signs and would bring the world songs like Hound Dog by Big Mama Thornton. Eventually, Don Roby's roster of recording artists included Bobby Blue Bland, Junior Parker, Johnny Ace, and O.V. Wright. It all traced back to the moment Roby pulled Skinny Clarence Brown out of the crowd because T-Bone Walker caught a cold. Gatemouth didn't turn out too shabby himself. After 10 years, he shed Don Roby's top hat and tails. Brown climbed into his own comfortable cowboy boots and grabbed his old violin. With his trademark pipe clenched between his teeth, Gatemouth became an icon of eclectic American styles. He played Cajun fiddle, electric guitar, mandolin, and even went behind the drums in all corners of the world. Along the way, Brown picked up a Grammy and gained recognition from guitarists as far out as Frank Zappa. He lived by the notion that struck him outside a Texas juke joint. Music's got to be a little different. Thanks for listening to the Blues Hall of Fame podcast, brought to you by the Blues Foundation. The Blues Hall of Fame podcast is produced by Bill Street Caravan for the Blues Foundation, written by Preston Lauterbach and voiced by Guy Davis. For more information on the Blues Foundation, go to blues.org.
Street Caravan has brought the sounds of Memphis to public radio airwaves for more than 20 years. And now you can see what we've been talking about. Check out our series of digital shorts through our website or go to iListenToMemphis.com. I Listen to Memphis is about Memphis music today, the people who make it, and the places and culture that fuel it. iListenToMemphis.com. AutoZone is proud to support Bill Street Caravan and many other arts organizations that strengthen the greater Memphis community. Parts are just part of what we do. AutoZone.com. Bill Street Caravan is also supported by awards from Memphis Travel, Tennessee Arts Commission, Arts Memphis, and Tennessee Tourism. TennesseeVacation.com. The soundtrack of America was made in Tennessee. We're back, and if you've just turned us on, we've been hanging out with guitarist Joe Restivo, celebrating his full-length release, Where's Joe? The album released in July 2019 is a deep exploration of cool jazz by an artist many associate with Memphis's current revivalist soul movement. While it has its fair share of swing, Where's Joe is often at its best in its most intimate and contemplative moods. A highlight is the mid-tempo tune, I Hear Rhapsody, where Joe stretches out into a groovy, samba-like dance number. Many of the songs on the album are originals, but I also gravitate towards Restivo's interpretation of House of the Rising Sun. He gives a new texture and context to the song, nodding to his rocking sensibility with a cheeky manner. The album ends with another cover, a rendition of the stylistic staple People Make the World Go Round. Yeah, he isn't the first Memphis act to try his hand at that one. Stack's doo-wop ensemble, the Temprees, have a very funky version of that song as well. In Joe's case, you have to imagine that he's purposefully playing up the idea that the divisions we often place on music are a fallacy. On Where's Joe mainstays in the Southern Soul, Rock, and Funk songbooks aren't safe from being charted down and arranged into a cool, calm, jazzy evening behind a curtain near a bar. And I think that we just got to the essence of Joe Restivo. I love his mind. Well, here's more from Joe from his album release party on Bill Street Caravan. <laughs> Thank you. 
great.
All right, we're here on the Bill Street Caravan with a good friend, Mr. Joe Recibo. Joe, how you doing, man? Doing good, man. What up? I love this record, man. Where's Joe? Why this record and, and, and why now? Thank you for having me. It's really an honor. I've been a part of uh, Bill Street Caravan with other projects for years, so it's very cool to do my own thing finally. I've been interested in this music for many years, and I'm, you know, jazz or improvised music. Um, and I have a background in it, I guess, from an educational standpoint. And it's a love of mine. It's something that I've been doing for many years and playing behind a lot of regional artists and local artists who do, who do the same sort of thing. But I had a group, a working uh, group, that plays every week. And I think when you have a group that you're developing, I think it's always a good idea, if you can, to, to try to record it and to stamp it. So other bands that I've been in, I've followed that same trajectory. We play clubs, we play a lot of gigs, and we start to develop a sound. And then it was suddenly, Blue Barrel came along and was like, all right, you want to record a record? Let's go. And that's how Where's Joe came about. Four musicians that have been playing together now for uh, almost five years. So we had the band dynamic, the band sound was there. So I knew the hard part was over. It was just getting the material together, arranging the material, figuring out sonically how I wanted it to sound production-wise, and then doing it. A bit unfair that some people even here in Memphis don't quite know about the really deep jazz lineage. Could you talk a bit about what that history means to you particularly? What it means to me, it's like uncovering sort of like a secret order or like this secret thing. You realize it's in your own hometown, but you're like, you don't hear about it, no one talks about it. But then once you start to uncover it, you're like, man, this is cool. So this Finney's newborn guy, this Calvin newborn guy, Mulgrew Miller, Donald Brown, Booker Little Records, there were these artists that recorded music and that made an impact on the scene at large beyond the city, but nobody was really talking about this. Music goes back a hundred years, really. You can go back and listen to Jelly Roll Morton talk about Memphis in his, in his writings. That goes back to like the early aughts. You can go back and look at George Coleman playing with Miles Davis you know, in the mid-60s. You can go back and see Harold Mayburn, who just passed, playing with Lee Morgan at Live at the Lighthouse and hear his compositions. And you'll see a rich tradition, if you will, that came out of really great schools and teachers that were teaching musicians how to write, how to play their instruments, and then they were taking that out and making huge impacts and still are doing that today. And so anyway, I wanted to do it while I'm here in town, because a lot of these cats were recording New York, LA, Chicago. And so I was like, well, let me make my own little statement. I'm not comparing myself to those guys. Those are like titans in my opinion. But I'm saying like, make my own little contribution in the community with a local label, with local musicians. And um, yeah, I think we did an okay job. It's the beginning, I wanna make more. You talk about some of those local musicians, who plays along with you on this record? The rhythm section is, is uh, the bass player is a guy named Tim Goodwin who was my professor in college. So he was the guy that was like, no, you ain't doing it right, you know, da da da. He was tough, man. And it's pretty cool to get these, all these years later, to get to work with him in a professional capacity as a friend, you know, somebody to share ideas with. Um, the drummer is a guy named Tom Leonardo, who's, who's also was someone I grew up uh, watching and being uh, inspired by as like a kid. I mean, Tom has been on the scene since the 70s as a, as a studio musician and as a, as a club and, and live uh, drummer, first call drummer. 
The saxophone player is more my generation, a guy named Art Edmonston, who I've played in um, a lot of different groups with. Can play sweet, but also has that grit, has that funk, has that you know bluesy thing that he can draw from. Even within this album, uh, you exhibited your fandom for some staples outside of the genre of jazz, and you also had some originals on there. How'd you organize what you were gonna play that is original and, and why those covers? If I had had my druthers, I would have had an all original record, but these were the compositions that I felt were the strongest that deserved to make the record. And luckily, we got good takes out of them. That was the focus, to get that first. That was important to me. As far as the other material, it was really just whether or not the vibe, when we cut them, because we cut this stuff live. There is no editing. So you're just going for performances. And so the material that landed on the record that wasn't mine, the performances were great. So where are you now and where are you going? I had the opportunity of recording on the score of Dolomite Is My Name, uh, this new Eddie Murphy vehicle uh, directed by Craig Brewer and scored by my buddy Scott Bomar, who um, I worked with on, uh, I have an organ trio called uh, The City Champs that we did two records on, on his label, Electrophonic, I'm very proud of. City Champs are talking about doing some work this year and next. I have a jazz Afro-Brazilian sextet called uh, Detective Bureau that we're about to cut a 45 for next year. We're also, we just did a live score at Crosstown and we're going to do some more live scoring. Uh, just got done recording with Scott Bomar's band, The Bow Keys. We back up a great soul singer named Don Bryant. We just got done with Don's second record and that's coming out next year, which we'll tour behind. And I want to do more stuff like this, like Where's Joe? I want to do uh, hopefully another record in the next year or two, or at least start to formulate it. I got my hands in a few different things, and I'm just trying to stay busy. I'm just trying to keep it interesting and trying to rep Memphis. That's next year. We'll see. I'm taking it one year at a time, man. Absolutely. Well, we found you for now, and, and you know, if we lose you again, we'll find you again. So thanks so much, Joe. Yeah, man. Appreciate Good to see you. you. Absolutely. Here's more from Joe Recivo live on Bill Street Caravan. <laughs>
That was Joe Restivo live on Bill Street Caravan. If you're still wondering where's Joe, just look for him on Facebook. He'll be there. Search him up there or log on to Twitter. And you can find out more about Joe Restivo and get his solo album, Where's Joe, by visiting BlueBarrelRecords.com. Joe's always playing in Memphis, and he's out on the road, too. Sometimes he's by himself. Sometimes he's a part of the Bo Keys. Often he's lending his guitar skill as a part of a backing band for special events as a go-to torchbearer for all things Memphis music. This guy's everywhere, so check him out. 
Special thanks to our supporters, AutoZone, Memphis Tourism, Arts Memphis, Tennessee Arts Commission, and Tennessee Tourism for their support in making Bill Street Caravan possible. We like to remind our listeners to please show your support for public broadcasting. You won't find programming like this anywhere else. You can find Bill Street Caravan on all the social media outlets. Do you love Memphis music? Tell us why and use the hashtag #IListenToMemphis. Go to our website at BillStreetCaravan.com and sign up for our monthly newsletter to find out where the caravan is going to be next. And you can always keep up with Bill Street Caravan via our podcast that's available through iTunes. We'll be back next week, so until then, I'm Pat Mitchell-Worley. And I'm Jared Boyd. And you've been listening to the sounds of Memphis on Bill Street Caravan. Mm-hmm.